This is episode 16 of Don't Be a Scrub podcast. My name is Spider Carnage, aka Verbose Mute on Xbox Live. My interviewing partner is Mutton, aka Muttonhead01 on PSN and Xbox Live. This is going to be uh, one of two special Evo interviews that I did while I was over in Las Vegas. To try to sum up Evo in a sentence, it's kind of difficult because Evo is. Evo is such an interesting event to go to. I mean, I could actually sit down and talk about it for hours on end. And we'll do more of a detailed recap in our next episode when I actually sit down and do a bit of a bit more detail into um, intro with Mutton. But for the moment, I'm just going to say that Evo was an amazing event to go to. If you can afford to go, definitely go next year because all I can honestly say is I'm not sure how they're going to top it. I mean, they had two streams going, over eight eighty thousand people tuned in on the just on the mainstream, which is just mind blowing numbers. The event itself was extremely well run for the number of people that they actually had show up, and overall, it, it's just a spectacular event to go to. So, our guest on the show for this episode, you may know him from the Wake Up Show You Can podcast as well as the Alphaism Radio. He is not just a well-known player, but he's also, in my opinion, a fantastic commentator. He might get a lot of heat for some of his commentary, but I think he is absolutely fantastic. And to this date, I have still not seen a commentator who can actually do a play-by-play call of Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and for that matter, a Marvel vs. Capcom 3 match. And of course, I am talking about Ski Sonic just a quick note before we get into the interview at the start i was actually counting i think i say that this is day three or day four i'd like to this was actually done on saturday basically during marvel vs. capcom 3 pool matches and i was actually lucky enough to grab ski just as he was coming off a one of his commentary sets so I really appreciate Ski taking the time to sit down and do this interview with me. He actually came and grabbed me and said, you know, do you have some time? And we sort of just went off and did it on the fly. Also, I was actually recovering from the salty sweet the night before. So I tend to slur my words a little bit because I was hella drunk. So please excuse my brain deadness for a little bit. Yeah, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hello everyone, this is Evo day three, four? Oh no, I know, I'm, I'm counting from the days we actually arrived. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, um, and today I have a very special guest with me. He, you might know him from Alphaism Radio, also from the Wake Up Show You Can podcasts, which everybody should be listening to if you're not. Um, he is one half of that team, and he's Mr. Ski Sonic. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Can you just tell us the story behind your hat? Well, it's just, uh, basically, it was the hat that, it was like the only hat that mm-hmm. fit me, because I had all this hair, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is the coolest hat ever. So I just kind of started wearing it as my trademark, and then, well, not as my trademark, just like, is my only hat. Mm-hmm. So I wore it a lot, and you know how the stream gets and everything, they just kind of made it into mm-hmm. this pizza hat thing. So they just call it Pizza Hat, and it kind of became a meme, so, mm-hmm. you know, 
And it was just kind of what what came of it. I actually lost the original pizza hat, mm-hmm. so I had to replace it with this. This is uh, so this is the pizza hat too. Yeah, Mach two. Yeah, it bears a striking resemblance. I also gave Flo a gift this weekend because in his Twitter picture he's wearing my original pizza hat. Oh, so right, I right. gave him the pizza hat three because I had a third one. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. So now we are pizza hat brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Can you just tell us a little bit about your history? So you said you told me earlier that you're from Baltimore, Maryland. Yes. Um, so how did you get into fighting games? I think. You know, just going to arcades as a kid and seeing, you know, what was there. I wasn't necessarily going for fighting games, but those were the most popular games. Those were the games where people lined up. So, you know, being young, that was very attractive to me. And I also talk about how uh, I would see my brother play those games. He was an older brother, like seven years older than me. So he would, you know, be right there in the thick of it, in the line with those guys playing the games. And that was just something that I wanted to be a part of. And I just liked the games. So I stuck with them, you know, we, my brother and I used to play on console a lot, and I would just get owned, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, it was just kind of something that I stuck with a lot, one of my main hobbies, until I found some players that were pretty good. Mm-hmm. They told me they were tournament players, but uh, I never was able to verify mm-hmm. their tournament records, <laughs> because eventually I found this tournament scene, and like ECC, and like mm-hmm. EVO, B5, all these things. So, I got into that scene just off of a high school friend. We were playing Marble One, Alpha Three, and he found Shoryuken.com. He took me to Northeast Championships, and like I never looked back from there. I didn't even know that there was this kind of tournament, and that was when my first one was. And after that, it was just like, hey man, we're gonna go to a tournament. Like there was no question. I just love it. So, what was your team in Marble One? Ooh, Marvel 1, I was a scrub, man. I played Ryu Chun, man. You played me on blast. I was like a super I was like a super scrub in that game. Like we didn't start getting any good at it till the end. The thing about that game was like we were just playing in the arcade, you know, like, yeah man, I'm good, you're good, whatever. And like a couple of those guys were playing like Wolverine or whatever, but they weren't like obviously like super high yeah. level. They were still winning the majority. But then my friends who I told you took me to the arcade, yep. or he at one point just comes into the arcade. Like, one day, he's playing, like, the same teams I am. Next day, literally, he has, like, Red Venom Strider. And he's, like, <laughs> infiniting me across the stream. And I'm like, what? The what? What, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, like, where did you learn this? And he was, like, he starts laughing. He was, like, go to Sharyukin.com. And I was, like, where did you really learn this? Because that sounds like a joke. Mm-hmm. What is Sharyukin.com? Yeah. Like, well, Haruken.net next? Like... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, like, leave me alone, man. Like, where did you learn this? Who told you what, what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Like, months later, I actually found out that Sharyukin.com was actually a whole website. <laughs> and I hooked up from there. So, Marvel 1, I was a pretty, pretty scrubby. Mm-hmm. And that would have been, what, about 98, Yeah, I was in, yeah, I was like 98, 99. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was the beginning of my dark SNK movement, but. Uh, we'll skip that. Nothing wrong with that, you know. Uh, love what you love. Yeah, I oh, know. I love all fighting games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Capcom and I love SNK. They're my two favorite companies for fighting games. Yeah, but. definitely. So, how did you get into Marvel too? Because from listening from your Alpha Eden, Alphaism Radio mm-hmm. um, history of Marvel two, you yeah. said that, that was the game that you really became competitive in. Right. Because, like I said, when we, uh, my friend took me to that tournament. Mm. At that time, we had already made the jump to Marvel versus Capcom two. I don't know if you recall, the game dropped on consoles very, very close to the arcade release. Oh, really? Like, Marvel within two one. weeks. Marvel 2. Oh, yes, Marvel, Marvel oh, on 2. D- on DC, on of DC. course. Yeah, yeah, Right. So, we were playing that, like, 
on the ground level essentially. Mm-hmm. So we started to have like some small tournaments and things like that. And then we went to NEC mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, this is amazing. But it was basically natural for me to get Marvel vs. Capcom 2 because Marvel vs. Capcom 1 happened and we were like 56 characters. Exactly. Yeah, it's like such a, it was such a huge jump as well. Not to mention that the new button layout as well. So a lot of yeah. people who were good at Marvel 1 yeah. didn't actually want to play Marvel. So. Yeah. I didn't care. I was just like, this is weird. Whatever. We'll see what's up. I was never like, like I said, I was never like super good at Marvel 1. You know, now when new things come out, I sort of understand that sentiment a little bit. Like, well, we were so comfortable with what we had and it worked all right. But I'm since I'm a programmer as well, like I, I recognize like the both sides of the thought process. They can't just do the same thing. They want to do new things, try new things, make different things. So it's an interesting dichotomy. But I just went right into Marvel 2 from Marvel 1 because like, that was the game that I was playing, and then we went to tournaments. Like our fir- my first tournament was for Marvel too. That was actually an interesting note. Um, so you're a programmer, so you do like web stuff, or you're a game designer. C C C plus plus and Java. Mm-hmm. Like I have a comp sci degree, but yes. I don't have a job, so oh, okay. so I don't do anything right now. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm I, I'm also like a little bit versed in like just like PHP and CSS, oh, cool, like that cool. kind of stuff. So you actually picked El Fuerte in Street Fighter Four. Do you want to know why? Yeah, I would like to know why. It's Keats' fault. Oh, Keats' fault. Yeah, and okay. it's his fault. <laughs> I'll say it like that. <laughs> because I was going to play Chun-Li and Rufus. Mm-hmm. That's who I was going to play. Yep. And I would have probably been pretty good, right? So we tried to play the game a little bit. You know, We had the beta at Evo. I yeah. played like two games. Next, um, you know, there's very, very sparse Street Fighter Four arcade cabinets in America yep. for a long time, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. So Keats was telling me, hey, man... I hear El Fuerte has an infinite, right? Mm. And was, nobody knew about this at the time. This was like, you know, August. Yeah. Like, I hear he has an, uh, an infinite, but I don't, I don't know if it, like, actually works, if it's infinite, you know, whatever. You know, it's like Seth said he has some juice. I'm mm. thinking that this is what it is. He's like, you have to figure it out. And you have access to a cat, so you've got to figure it out. So at the time, I was driving to Philadelphia from Baltimore, which is a two-hour drive, uh, just about. Well, not, not quite two hours, but, yeah, about that. And I would go, I'll play... You know, play all four X day, and I'll get old. Like mm-hmm. so, there was beginner mode where you could play against the computer, yeah. and I'll just sit there and try to like do a run stop fears. Never got it. Mm-hmm. Then I'll play like a rail person, and like I couldn't even like land a fears. Mm-hmm. Let alone try to figure out the combo. I just do splash. So I figured out how to play the game with El Fuerte doing splashes and stuff because I'd start in beginner mode, you know, trying to do run stop fears, and then I'd have to play games with El Fuerte, mm-hmm. and like. I just kind of stuck with him because eventually I learned how to do run stop fears mm-hmm. and then I was one of the only guys that could do it. I think it was you and Kai from the West Coast. The Dude. Two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had it. He definitely had it. Kai and there was another guy, Oliverian. They were the first two West Coast guys, right? And I remember I would be in chat rooms and I would tell my friends like, yeah, I got it, man. I'm, I got it. I'm at like three hits, four hits. Now we'd be like, yeah, man, Oliverian's at six. And I was like, no, I got to go back. And then I actually had a friend, Perfect Sin, who, who owned the Street Fighter 4 arcade board for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I got to go back to the lab. I have to get six. He got six. I have to get six. So it was really just like... I fell into him because I was experimenting and then I became proficient with him and I became very comfortable with him. Mm. And then I just never went to anybody else. He, he requires so much attention. Yes, this is true. And it's one thing that I also loved. I was listening to one of the last SRK podcasts and you mm-hmm. said Fuerte, the, the, the mathematics behind Fuerte is beautiful. The vanilla Fuerte, man. Seven fierces is a thousand stun. What else do you need? Exactly. Now the character can win. Because six was like... 
if you were good at games, mm. you can do six. Uh, but if you were like good at games and good at dexterity, you could get that seven. You know, I, I can't do two. <laughs> yeah. No, but see the other thing is I remember listening to one of early Gutex's earlier podcasts, and he uh -huh. said that I think he had Kai on, and I think Kai said that like the movement from even from the arcade version to the console version that it got that run stop fees got harder to do. What it is is different arcade. Well, the console versions have their own like amount of lag. I don't think that it's due to the game. I think that it's a system thing, right? Oh, okay. Like, I think it might even be like native to USB ports. I'm not sure about the details. Mm -hmm. But so what ends up happening is like if you play it on PlayStation, you play it on Xbox, you know, there's like a little bit of a difference. Yes. That's the same thing that's going on. It's just the hardware that it's set up on, to my knowledge. And I've been talking about this with a lot of people. So they feel that like in the place in the arcade, it's basically just a little bit slower, so you have more time to do these things. Oh, okay, okay. Because I did, you know, I played the arcade board quite a mm -hmm. bit, but uh, but see, that's really interesting because the arcade board is basically runs Windows XP. Right. It's right. So, it's not. It's not different. That's what I'm saying. I think it's the hardware, if anything. Actually, it's probably the architecture, because the architecture of the arcade board is. is and by the way, we're getting really nerdy here. <laughs> but it's x86. Uh huh. But the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Well, the PS3 is obviously cell architecture. Yeah. But the 360 is power PC architecture. Yeah. And they handle things differently. Right. 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 So right. So it could be in the way that something there potentially. Yeah. But or it could be just the USB like. Yeah. Or maybe a bo maybe both. Or both. Yeah. Combination. Yeah. Can you give me your top five favorite commentators, ex excluding yourself? Yeah. Mm, Ultra David, Seth mm -hmm. mm, Killian. I like Yipes a lot. That's just really funny. Oh yeah, that's just really funny. He has that like over a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Ultra David, Seth, Yipes. What else do I really like? You know, are we just relegated to Street Fighter right now? No, no. Any commentator you like in the world or just video games? Let's say video games. Okay, I am actually a fan of Tasteless. Mm -hmm. uh, or let's just say Tastosis. Like I watch a lot of StarCraft too, and I'm only I'll let those guys have one spot. Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you my wild card pick. The Acid Bro is somebody that nobody we haven't seen a lot of him yet. Mm -hmm. I really like his style. Yes, he kind of reminds me of Day Nine a little bit because he has this like really really like ebullient, just like just like loud like epic style that is it's just infectious. Like mm -hmm. he, he really makes it exciting for me, and like he's kind of funny and just. He has good flow, so mm. I'd say those guys. Yeah, Dasa Bros from does a lot of country on the um, I, I play winner. Yeah. Uh, streams. Yeah. And usually at the Starbase arcades. Yeah. I want two hours sleep. So it's all good, man. Like, I was at the Salty Suite last night. Yeah. As well. um, so how did you get? Oh, into and Eris. We are, I can't oh, forget Eris, of man. Course. Eris is the man. Yeah. 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 So how did you get into commentary? I kind of just fell into it. Well, initially I was doing the Alphaism mm. radio before there were streams. And then I would go to tournaments and I started to do play-by-play -play a little bit for people. So I was doing play-by-play -play for like Marvel 2 and stuff. The like, only person who can do play-by-play yeah, -play yeah. Marvel 2. So there was that and then Evo became streams. Or I don't think we streamed it the first year. We just did videos maybe. And we did like live commentary over the house. And that went okay. Actually, well, you know, it went pretty well. Like, it was me, Keats, and then someone else. That was also the first year that I lost my voice, which is hilarious because all the years before that, I would be fine. But as soon as they hand me a mic, and I would literally beg for a mic every year because I just wanted to, like, you know, I, I felt like, let me introduce people. Like, let me do that intro, and I'll make it hype. But then what happened was there became a, a separate space, the stream. 
and we had since Keith and I and like some other people had already done a live commentary we were like the first choices for that year of Evo him myself and Seth had done the Super Turbo commentary and yes. everything so we were natural choices because we just like had a little bit of experience and stuff so mm. it worked out pretty well and I seem to get like fairly good response so people you know I, I go to tournaments and do commentary because I like it I like tournaments and um, I get a little bit of response and a little bit of uh, this is slight demand I guess would be the term slight okay, <laughs> don't be too modest right. <laughs> nah. um, so how would you describe your uh, commentary style I think about this a lot like I the difference for me and like probably the rest of the Street Fighter guys is that I try to be able to play both roles so like I can sit and be analytical or I can just kind of do the play-by-play -play. Mm -hmm. and like so I try to be like uh, be able to like fit in whenever like somebody's needed or whatever if I'm by myself I think I can do that like I obviously talk faster than anyone else that's like the one thing that kind of um, I think like separates me from everyone else people say I get hype a lot too I, I do I mean Seasons, I, beatings, five. That's all I have yeah. to say. This stuff, it, it's it's exciting to me, man. Mm -hmm. I, I can't not get excited. I'm a player too, so exactly. I get really hype and I talk really fast. Mm. But it's not that you also just talk fast. It's, it's also you talk very clearly and fast. I try, which is which is which is something which is really important. Yeah, I mean, um, there's there's foreign people that are listening. You know, not just like people that speak English. Yeah, there are people like all over the world. So I try to like it at least be audible a little bit and mm -hmm. make sure people can understand what I'm saying. That's another reason why I try I try not to talk too fast sometimes because I know like people can get lost. Yeah. But, you know, just trying to strike that balance mm -hmm. where I am. So, how did Alpha Alphaism Radio come about? That was all Bunkay. Mm -hmm. He was just like I'm going to just, you know, put up the shoutcast and be doing this. Mm -hmm. And so he just like he started it, and then he started interviewing like big names at the time. Like it was like Mr. Wizard and like Yipes and like Duck Joe, like really like uh, Cali Power, Alex Valle, yeah, yeah. big names. And you know he would sometimes try to call me on there, and we just were we kind of had a rapport from <laughs> IRC and everything. He just kind of asked me to come on and help out co-host a little bit, mm -hmm. and it just went from there. He was like, I really like having you here, so we just went from there, and. I feel really bad because I haven't been able to do alphaism like mm -hmm. I want to you know, recently, and I always say it's coming back. And like I have like seriously like tons of notes that I want to do for like a new style alphaism radio. So what's cool now is Bunkay still does Bunkay's corner, yep. keeps the same vibe going. You know, it's like call in, talk about whatever. You know, uncensored and just like you know let loose. Mm -hmm. And also uh, D Nice will sometimes just host an alphaism radio proper. So. Mm -hmm. Look for me to still try to do what I wanted to do, but it was definitely like a little bit off the beaten path of what we've been doing for Alphys before. So I have some like new ideas I want to bring into. Cool. Because Mike, Mike, uh, I do this show with uh, another guy because mm -hmm. we usually try to like interview two people. Uh huh. Yeah. But unfortunately, he couldn't make it out, and he's a huge Alpha is Alpha is a radio um, fan. Word. Like I think he's basically listened to every single one you nice. guys have released. Nice. And, like he's got a magic memory. Nice. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it's well, shout-outs to him. What's yeah, name? it's Muttonhead. Hey, Muttonhead, yeah. That name is familiar for sure. Oh, he, he also has a... He was part of the SRK network. His, his, his blog is Being a Scrub. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. So cool. this is Don't Be a Scrub podcast. Nice. That is, that's clever. You guys. <laughs> All 
Alright, this is a bit of a Marvel 3 question. Mm -hmm. um, should Justin Wong be on the West Coast 5 on 5 team? Definitely. Definitely. You can't... I mean, he has better results than more than four people on the West... Or, you know, like, four other people on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Even if, you know, he's, like, lost to Tokido and he's lost to Combo Fiend, he's still a consistently high placer and... Justin on a team is just like a level of insurance. Even if you think, I would go pick Justin for like my Mario Kart team or something. Like, I don't care. Justin Wong is like the consummate gamer. He is very competitive and he has a style that is like breaking the game down, breaking the opponent down, and just trying to take the most direct path to the win that he can find. So having him on the team, aside from him being a good player, is just like a valuable asset. You know, you could have somebody who has this obtuse style that mm. Justin will be better at breaking down. So, do you think he should have been maybe the East Coast captain? Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. So is Justin now being fully converted to the West Coast? He's now West Coast. Hollywood Wong, man. It's, Hollywood it's, Wong, it's, 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 it's in effect. He's lived out here now for two, three years. He's, he's lived out here for like two, three years now. Mm -hmm. And he's not coming back. Okay. <laughs> he's not coming back. Cool, cool. I was because for a very long time, East Coast predominantly was just Justin Wong. Yeah, and we, we claimed him. We claimed him for a good, you know, six to eight months while he was out here. He's still East Coast, you know, Marvel 3, Marvel 3, he's still East Coast. He trained on the East Coast, but Marvel 3, he's all West Coast, you know, like, yeah, yeah. he started in Marvel 3 in the West Coast, the same with Street Fighter 4, really, mm -hmm. Super Street Fighter 4 for sure, so, we can't claim him anymore, he's West Coast. It's been two years since he's moved, Jesus. Yeah, time I think flies. so, I think so. I think, he, like, I think he might have moved in like late 09, early 10, 2010, so maybe not quite two years, but yeah. it's rolling up upon it. I can't believe time flies just so quickly. I, I know, it's right? <laughs> Sanford's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, definitely. Holding it down on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, actually, today, speaking about that, I think since Justin's moved to the West Coast, I think a lot of the more of the East Coast players have actually started taking yeah, things a lot more seriously. It's opened up. We were kind of speculating on, like, well, when Justin leaves, will it just kind of thaw to Sanford, or will it yeah, be yeah. kind of like on the West Coast where there's more people that are competitive? And I feel like that's kind of what happened, where mm -hmm. there's... It's just like more people duking it out. You know, you had Nerd, Josh, and Chris G. And yeah. then a lot of the other Empire uh, people besides uh, Sanford, like Rasan, Twisted mm. Jago, those guys are really good at Marvel 3. They were really good at uh, Street Fighter 4 as well. Yes. Like uh, Twisted Jago, the eliminated Daigo, or mm -hmm. put him in the losers. Marn eliminated him at season's beating. So yeah. there's a lot of other East Coast people now that are coming up in Justin's absence. And those were guys that were just... Definitely overshadowed before. Mm, mm, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm just actually really disappointed that Twisted Jago didn't make it out to Yeah. Zero. He is really good. He probably, I think, would have been on the East Coast team. Yes. I think so. But I think so as well. He's sick. Mm. Yeah, I think it was an appendicitis. Yeah, something like that. He's, uh, I think he's having a CT scan or something. Mm -hmm. Check out his results, but yeah. Yeah, well. Wishing him the best. Exactly. Wishing the best. Best. Best and fastest recovery. Now, the thing about him is he's in great shape, so I think mm. he'll be uh, all right if it's not something too serious. He uh, he's like one of those. He works out a lot. He eats mm. pretty well. He's, he takes care of himself, of his body. So unlike an actual street fighter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's atypical. Yeah. What's your favorite DS game? Oh, okay. So I haven't had a DS in a while, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I sold my DS to Steve H. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I don't know why he wanted it. I think I might have like used that money for like towards an Evo ticket that year because that was like the one year I was just like, 
where's all my money? I don't have any. <laughs> so, but so at the time I had like seven or eight DS games. Phoenix Wright, I loved that game, mm-hmm. and I've been wanting him to. I, I was wanted him in Tatsunoko versus Capcom so badly, mm-hmm. so so badly. So the chance to get to play him will be sick. But you know, like every DS game that I played at the time was pretty awesome. It's a really good system. Mm-hmm. I played that game. I played Kirby's Canvas Course, which I thought was I, sick. I bought the DS just for that game. Yeah, man, that game was sick. The Castlevania games were yes. good. I, I think the DS, like, I'm not sure about now, but at uh, those first couple generations of games were like really impressive. Really, really good. I- it, at first, when it came out, I thought it was just going to be a gimmick, yeah, like a touchscreen, right? But they really made it work, right? Right, like those games were not like super technical, like as far as like uh, graphics or whatever, yeah. But they were good, fun, creative games, and I feel like the developers were like they were hungry for mm-hmm. an experience where they could kind of go back to their roots and just like make some make a two D game that's fun and good, you exactly. Know? And it sort of did bring back the whole two D gaming aspect again because we were everybody was like playing the big you know the big triple A titles on the consoles, yeah, big flashy graphics, yeah. But the portables are always were, were always about good two D games, yeah. And you can basically get Super Nintendo graphics on a portable, yeah, which is really awesome, yeah. Plus the awesome touchscreen, yeah, that's pretty good. And also the GBA uh, backwards compatibility, I of think, course, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I like the DS, mm. um, but DS is free. Oh, free? DS from uh, Shariukin.com is a special shout out for him. You're free, DS. I'm going to let him know. Um, so why is Kano Australian in MK9? I can't say the reason that came to mind. He's a criminal. <laughs> Don't be mad at me, Australia. Australia, Australia. <laughs> He's a criminal. Australia. Okay. I'm actually not Australian. I'm Croatian. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know why. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I want to know why Kano's so damn good. Yeah, what the hell? He's a character. He's one of those characters that I feel like is just supposed to be bad. Yeah, yeah. And then the game came out and he was bad. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And then they just buffed the hell out of him. That role is ridiculous. Really strong. Yeah. Oh. I don't know much about MK9 because, well, Australia doesn't have MK9. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're funny. Damn. And he's Australian? Yeah, he's That's Australian. Hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, that was a real bad joke. But no, yeah. that was really funny. I just, I forgot about that. That's freaking... Wow, Netherrealms, man. Those guys are cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Have oh. you met any of those guys? No, a lot of them yet. are out are here. Are actually here? A lot of those guys make it out, like uh, Hector Sanchez. Mm-hmm. And, like a lot of the producers, directors, programmers, yeah. They've been making it out to a lot of tournaments this year. They're yeah. a really cool company. They seem really, really dedicated to cater to the community, which yeah. is something fantastic. I think a lot more companies. I really wish SNK would do that a bit more as well. SNK always just seems to shun the American market for some reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I should say every other market but Japan for some yeah. reason. I don't even feel like they have the money to like to pay attention to any other markets. That, that's true. That's true as well. They do their best, you know. They they've consistently put out games for a long time, or semi consistently. Yeah, I mean, King of the Fighters 13 looks really, really good. Yeah, I'm definitely anxious to play that, and I was I was similarly anxious for KLF 12. It mm-hmm. didn't come out like the way that people were expecting, yeah. but KLF 13 looks good. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I just, yeah. I hope it has good net play now. You know, like net code is extremely important. Yeah, and it then, really is. And not just for, like, it's not even just, it's for everywhere. Yeah. It's like Australia, if we, our scene is about maybe 250, 300 people. Mm-hmm. If we haven't got, if we don't have netcode, I can't play. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got decent netcode. So. And then you have people that, like, work, you know, they don't have time yeah. to make it out, you know. 
maybe if they were playing on the internet and they got good, then maybe they'll find that time off to come to an offline tournament. Exactly. But they need to be able to get their skills up online, and that's why I'm like so excited about 3S, G, 3S OE. I'm not even a 3S guy, mm -hmm. but I'm just really anxious to see how that will resonate with not the hardcore community, the rest of the people that mm -hmm. will get to play it with a higher fidelity and see that, whoa, like, this is a good game and it's, like, responsive. Maybe I'll want to try that or something. Definitely. So and I, I SNK man, GPO, you know you need to do it. And the thing is, because we don't have arcades anymore, mm, yeah. you don't get that social, there's not as much of a social factor, but you can still sort of, in a way, recreate that arcade feel in a little bit way through, like, Xbox Live parties. Yeah. Because basically what we do now is we, for example, we have Replay Mondays. Oh yeah? So You like watch replays together? We watch replays together in Xbox Live chat oh, room. And then huh. we sit down, we break down the information, like, the, like wow. basically we play throughout the week. Uh-huh. And then we pick the best sort of matches, win or lose. Uh-huh. And we have three or four guys who sit in an Xbox Live chat room and we all go through those matches and wow. we break down the matches. That's crazy. We see the inputs. Because, like I said, our scene is not that big. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I, I don't live in Melbourne, I live in Geelong, which is like 75Ks. 70 to 150 k's outside of Melbourne, so I can't travel up there and back. It's like an hour and a half trip yeah. every time. Right. So I need to be able to keep up, keep in contact with the guys. Yeah. And this is the way I learn, and this is the way I get better. That's really cool. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. So we and the only, and if we don't have good net code, people are less inclined to play. Exactly. You don't even want to play. Yeah. That's 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 kind of how I'm feeling about Marvel Three. Like. Yeah. I, I'm not experiencing the game as I should be because I can't just sit down and run some matches when I want to, you yeah. know? And it's, it's hard to, like, figure out things in that game especially, you know? It's, yeah, definitely. I it's mean, got a great replay mode, but that only takes you so far anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, in today's fast-evolving video game... Yes. I mean, I can't believe how quickly Marvel 3 has been figured out. Like, yeah. Marvel 2 took a good, what, five, six years to get to mm -hmm. a sort of that, you know... The way, the way it sort of looks today, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people are like, people are finding things already in Marvel 3 and they're becoming really, really clean. Yes. That's what the, the level of play is starting to become really clean and precise and it took Marvel 2 a lot longer to get to that point. So people have found like strong teams and they know those combos, they know those mix-ups and those things are strong. We still definitely have a ton of crap more to find in this oh, game, yes. but the stuff that we have is like, you know, well researched and mm. well practiced, very much well practiced. So, how do you feel about Marvel Three? I mean, Marvel vs. Capcom Two is like my favorite game ever. So, it's not. I don't think that it's better than that game. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's a a good. I mean, it's like well made. Yes. I think that it has some problems, but though my top three problems were addressed directly in Marvel in Ultimate, mm -hmm. or they are being addressed so far. So. I can't really complain anymore. I thought X-Factor was too overpowered. That's being nerfed. I thought uh, Phoenix is overpowered, and there needed to be a meter suck mechanic. To <laughs> And I was like, what? You gave me two? Perfect. Nice. But that, that's sick. And, of course, Wolverine is just like, it was like too good. Like, yeah, it, too good. it was definitely too good. Uh, you know, I was thinking like he needed like a, a damage nerf and probably some tweaks to his game. And I think that he just got a little bit of tweaks to his game. I just hope they don't do what they did to Vanilla, to Vanilla Sagat. Like, Vanilla Sagat was similar on the Wolverine's level. Yeah. But I think they nerfed him too hard yeah. in Super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made him, like, not even powerful anymore. 
and that's I don't want him to not be a powerful character. I want other characters to be as powerful. I just don't want him to be like silly, you know. So yeah. my thing was, I was like, I think that the Berserker Slash needs to just get a little bit slower because yes. like it's kind of ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I think they did that. They also made it way more hittable. Yes. I was thinking like maybe a little bit more hittable, mm-hmm. but I think they took away like yeah. almost all I the invincibility, if not all now. the invincibility yeah. on that. That's really surprising change, mm-hmm. but. Now they just said, you know, it's for mix-ups. It's not for going through things. It's mm-hmm. for actually mixing somebody up. So I'll, I'll take that. So are you looking forward to Ultimate Marvel list? I am because of those things particularly. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I really want to see how their thought processes are going with this game and, you know, in general. Because it's kind of hard to call how Capcom does things, you know, with yes. patches and changes. You know, we always have our opinion. And, and we can get, like, fairly solid consensus or consensuses on what we think and then they will do things that like are not not really in the ballpark of where we were mm-hmm. but you know like I felt that way about Super but we came out with a pretty good game yeah, yeah. so I did not feel that way about uh, Arcade Edition particularly so hopefully like mm-hmm. there might be a treatment for that and this is what I'm looking at for Marvel vs. Capcom 3 like are, are you really looking at this like competitively like do you really think that you can balance that part of the game like mm-hmm. how well of a good competitive game do you think that you can make while still having crazy stuff yeah because that was the one thing about all the versus game series they're always broken yeah but it's getting that sort of right balance of broken yeah and I think Marvel 2 sort of had that yeah I mean, it was super broken, and we were cool with that. I wouldn't be, you know, I'd be alright if this game was super bro- if it was pretty much super broken, and then, like, they couldn't just come back on you. Yeah. Like, you can't even really be like, ah, alright, well, I'm gonna pick MSP, and then, like, I'm gonna use the broken stuff and, like, beat them with that, because then I might miss one thing, and then level 3 Extractor Wesker is gonna kill my team. So, yeah, like, exactly. if it's gonna be broken, at least be broken and, like, have some fidelity on winning then. Have you seen a level 3 Arthur? He can chip out almost three players. I know, right? Insane. Yeah, yeah. I saw that this morning happening to one of our really? Australian guys. Yeah. yeah. His mind was blown. Yeah, basically. Dead. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. That's. I suppose that's part of the game. It's just crazy. They're going to tone it down a bit, though. Yeah. So how do you feel about X-Factor being able to activate in the air? That's pretty cool. I mean, it seems like an arbitrary limitation for, like, to not be able to do it in this game. Like, the only reason that it's good is because... It makes Phoenix more beatable. Yes. Which is cool. I mean, like, it would be very strange, I think, for them to purposefully say, like, all right, well, take out X-Factor in the air. Because Mm -hmm. I can't see that mechanic being designed Mm -hmm. without being able to do it in the air. Exactly. It's the same thing as Baroque. Yeah, Yeah. So I feel like they originally had it like that. And then maybe they said, whoa, like, this is how you kill Phoenix, make it not extractable in the air, and, like, let that run competitively. That's incredibly insightful if they made those decisions. I don't know if they think on that level. Like, I don't think they they feel, I don't think they think specifically as to, like, what should people be able to do to beat this character. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. I really want to ask Neo G about that kind of thing this weekend. Mm -hmm. So, it's, I think it's cool, and... It's definitely going to change up Phoenix a little bit. You know, she's going to be able to avoid chips, like mm. those chip uh, setups that you have. Yep. So they said she took away a little bit. They took away a little bit of life from her, and now you're going to have to suck meter. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> if they think she needs less life. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I, I got no problems with that. Yeah. So Just suck want. some meters, and <laughs> she's limited to one air action now. So, cool. 
So who would you like to interview on the WSRK in the future? You know, we get a lot of players. Mm -hmm. I kind of like want to sometimes have somebody like a big name that's like a producer or something. Mm -hmm. Like we talked to Derek Neal. We just haven't been able to try to get him on. Like we've had Seth, obviously, but yeah. it would be like it would be like a dream to get somebody like if we could get like a Neo G on there and mm -hmm. get like a good translator or something like that. Or uh, Christian Svensson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like guys like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Somebody because like I would really like I said like I would like to get the other perspective on it because like what we do we get the players perspectives a lot mm -hmm. and, and that's easy like we we don't really have too much trouble getting who we want it would also be cool to get some Japanese players yeah you know no. Daigo Mago you know Koreans infiltration mm -hmm. obviously uh, huge barriers there time time as well as language oh definitely definitely so those kinds of people would be cool mm -hmm. so how do you guys keep the motivation up to do a weekly podcast because me and Martin we usually try to do it on a fortnightly basis yeah. but even then it's still a hell of a lot of work yeah, in yeah, the background yeah. organizing people getting people to come down blah blah, blah so forth yeah. so where, where, does your, where does your motivation come from? Well originally we just said like let's do it weekly and mm. we just decided that we wanted to stick with it so for the first year we were pretty good about oh, like every week or you know maybe like we took like a week off if like we had to or like I couldn't talk or something like that but we really just wanted to like establish a schedule, like some regularity and just like get people familiar with us. Mm. Now it's a lot harder, you know, like we're both a little bit more busy and it's harder to coordinate people. I had like, okay, so for the first few months, it didn't really matter. Like if we didn't have somebody that was a name, we would just go get like whoever's in the chat room. We'd be like, oh, you're, you're a Street Fighter player. Let's talk about Street Fighter. But now we try a little bit harder to get like names that people are going to recognize, mm -hmm. and less of the like community cross-up type things. So now we'll like you know take maybe a week off or something like that mm -hmm. for those types of reasons. But we're really motivated because we like doing the show. Yeah. We like to ask those questions, get those answers, and we just like for people to like listen to it and have fun with it like we do. Mm. See, I think for a podcast initially, consistency is the most important as mm -hmm. you're building it up. Yeah. Once you sort of get that recognition, right. then it's sort of okay to maybe take. Or yeah. take a little bit more time to do it, yeah. as long as because the people already know that it's a quality product which they enjoy and it's already in their routine and it usually comes along. Yeah. But I think consistency is probably in those, like I said, the first year. Yeah, yeah, we tried really hard for the first year. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, we still do, but no, obviously, no, but like no. particularly, I think we got like forty-eight or forty-nine weeks the first year. Like we, yeah, we did was, pretty well. Yeah, it's like, it's, and, and we did a bunch of live ones too. Mm -hmm. So then, like we didn't count those. How did you meet Keats? <laughs> oh my god. You know what it was? Okay. Smash Brothers Brawl came out. Mm. I I didn't really used to play like Smash Brothers or anything, but like I, I owned it and like I thought it was a cool game, but I, I was like, alright, like I go play Street Fighter at tournaments and I would have friends that would play Smash Brothers, right? So I'll go play with them, like maybe on 64 or on GameCube or whatever, and then they would own me. I like I, I'm like, you, you can't, like, own me in a fighting game. Mm. This is, like, it made me mad, like, to just get owned. I'm like, it has blocking and throwing and jump attacks. Mm -hmm. I should be able to figure this out and own you now. But they were just, like, destroying me, like, destroying me. So I took a class for Smash Brothers in my college. I didn't take it because I wanted to beat my friends, but 
they had a Smash Brothers class at my college. Wouldn't you take class on Smash Brothers if you, you were offered a credit? Are you actually serious? One credit, yeah. Right. I had a Smash Brothers course. Yeah, yeah. You can ask. I want to go to your uni. What you can you? ask Josh the Funk Doc, who is here and goes to the school that I went to. It was there. It was a class. They don't have it anymore because it was a melee class. Right. And they. I learned how to play melee in that class. I learned, like, edge guarding and, like, uh, wave dashing and all that crap. And I was like, oh, you know, it's a pretty cool game. Like, Melee was a good game. Yeah. And during that time period, Brawl was coming out, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, you know, Brawl's going to be cool. Sonic's going to be in it. I love Sonic. So I was, like, conversing with the Sharyuken community about Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Keats also, you know, similar to me, likes all games, was, you know, doing pretty much the same thing. And he also had experience in running tournaments. So his idea was, like, we need to play with the items. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're an idiot. You don't play Smash Brothers with items, dude. That's stupid. That is stupid. You're stupid, and I hate you. <laughs> and, like, we just kind of, like, went back. I don't, I don't remember what happened. I think at some point, I just was like, all right, I'm going to try it. And I played with items, and I was like, all right, well, this is actually not that bad. He, he, he was like, he started, like, his uh, rule set that he was making up. And he limited it to some items, and we were experimental. So I said, all right, I'll help out in this. So then it was Keats and Ski Sonic's All Brawl. So we were working with this rule set, and we made, like, this three out of five, I think, three-minute time limit. And, like, my last contribution to it was, like, we were trying to decide what items were fair or cool or good for competitive play. And by the end, I was like, all of them. Like, don't turn any of them off. Mm-hmm. If we leave it on medium spawn, three minutes, three out of five matches, there is enough item spawns that even if you got the broken item that you think is broken, mm-hmm. you have hella more matches to turn that around. And I really feel in that game, items are actually a balancing factor. And when you take items out, like, Meta Knight's free. Meta Knight owns everybody for free. Mm-hmm. Meta Knight is so good. Like, Meta Knight and then, like, uh, Snake, right? Maybe it's changed since I haven't played Brawl in two and a half years, but that was pretty straightforward to me. But if you turn the items on, my character, who was low tier, became competitive. Not the best, but actually competitive. My character, Sonic, still got bopped by, by, uh, Medic, by Meta Knight. But at least if there are items on the stage, my character, who is good at getting items, designed, he's fast, right? So yeah, doesn't that mean he's good for getting items? Yes. That's what it's made for. They're, so, like, my character's supposed to scoop the items and supposed to be able to try to get the Smash Ball, even though Meta Knight breaks it way easier than him. So I feel like that kind of thing, like, actually made the game a little bit more fun and a little bit better. And I just, I wasn't really a fan of the way Brawl developed and the, the general scene. Um, and neither was Keats. And so, basically, the, like, Smash Brothers community, like, hated us and, like... It was like, your rules suck, and because you guys are idiots, and we, we bonded over that. Because international standard for melee is basically no items, right? Yeah, well, in melee, it's fine, right? No items, whatever, and then like a limited stage set. Like, we didn't try to go change melee. We thought that that's cool, because melee actually works with no items. Brawl, you go look at the developer's notes, and Sakurai is like real men play with items. So they definitely, like, they went even a step further, in my opinion, to make items an even more integral part of the game. Right, right. And I feel like, like, it works. It just works. Like, the way characters plus items works is better than the way that characters with no items work. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Don't so, put me on blast, all you Brawl players. So do you think it could be uh, something similar to the Malay guys um, don't really want to accept Brawl as a new game? Similar to the way that Marvel vs. Capcom, oh, yeah. some of the old Marvel OG, yeah. don't want to accept Marvel 3 as 
it's almost the same thing, except I think in uh, Melee and Brawl, they're uh, a little bit more reticent, even. Like, right. the Marvel 2 guys were like, well, at least we're going to get a new game after 10 years. Like, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. But a lot of guys are on board. Some guys just aren't. But it's a totally different game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ma- uh, Brawl is, I mean, Brawl is more similar to Melee, but with the difference between Melee and Brawl is, like, they took out all the crazy stuff, all mm-hmm. the broken stuff. So I understand that. You wanted to play the game with the broken stuff, and that, that's cool and everything. They took out all that broken stuff, so if you don't have that in Brawl anymore and you try to play with no items, that's why I feel like it's, it just doesn't work as well. Like, Melee was sick with like no items. Wave that across the screen, drop kick somebody in the face and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, real combos and that kind of thing. It's just not the same in uh, Brawl without items. I just feel like it's a different game. Mm-hmm. So that was how I met Keith to answer your original question. Yeah. We were bonding over that. And then, you know, we just started to kind of go to tournaments together. Oh, he called that. That was the, one of the reasons why I was doing commentary that year. I was going to do it for Smash Brothers with him because we were, you know, grinding Smash together. I lost my voice halfway through Smash Brothers and uh, Nasir filled in for us. But uh, I did Capcom vs. SNK 2 that year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how we met. And since then, he's just... He's been a good friend, but I still blame him for making me pick El Forte. Still blame him. So where did the name Ski Sonic come from? Oh, I'm assuming it's something to do with Sonic. Yeah, I like Sonic as like uh, like my nickname. Like I decided that it was my nickname when I was like really really young because mm-hmm. I like talked really fast and I was like a runner and I ran like track and oh, okay. yeah and I like Sonic that job. And I was like these things they work, so I'll be Sonic. And then. Um, I go do like things in online arenas and obviously Sonic's like the most common nickname in the world or you know among them mm-hmm. so like, I couldn't like really get Sonic as a handle for things so I had a friend who had America Online account mm-hmm. and you know how you can make guest names on that yep. I didn't have internet access so he would like ma- well we would we would acquire accounts sometimes that were like not ours but then also <laughs> like he had one that those accounts that we acquired, we would make screen names for, and then he also made one for me. Somewhere along the way, I think I said, like, I want, I just want you to make me a screen name with Sonic in it, and you just put ski on it, because he liked to ski. Oh, I've okay. never been skiing in my life. So he was just like, I want to, you know, I just put that on there, and I was like, uh, all right, like, I guess that's cool. We had some others, like Ski Square and Ski mm-hmm. something else. So, and, and, and the one with the square stuff, he was like, well, I just looked at the Final Fantasy VII game that was sitting on me and that's sitting next to me so I was like ski square so we we just had this like running ski thing mm-hmm. and when I got on the IRC I had a limited number of characters that I could make for my name I wanted my name to be Sonic Delete because I thought that sounded cool it was like Leet and Delete what a smart double entendre but it didn't really fit in the number of characters so I was like oh, I guess I gotta use my other name Ski Sonic everybody call me Sonic please don't call me Ski that didn't work <laughs> that was the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't work, so that was basically how it happened. See, I was in a similar position because originally I used to go by the name of Carnage. Getting that name is... Because Carnage is my favorite Marvel villain. Uh-huh. Um, and I was a huge Spider-Man fan. Mm-hmm. So, but every time I go Carnage, is always taken. So I actually then decided, well, fuck it, I love Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Carnage. Yeah. So, but the thing is, now everybody... And again, I wanted everybody to call me Carnage. Just call you Carnage. Yeah, and they're like, Spider! Hey, Spider! Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, I got in the same boat. Yeah. Much. Um, is there any shout-outs you'd like to 
uh, always shout out to Alphaism Radio, uh, Keats and Showyouken.com, my co-commentators like Ultra David, Seth Killian, Ryan Hunter, and uh, James Chen who are out here this weekend. I love guys like Yipes. And I want to give like shout outs to just like all the gaming communities because like I don't, you know, I get around a lot, but... And so, like, I don't really, like, roll particularly tight with anybody besides people where I'm from, you know, Perfect Sane and Baltimore Crew, Button Masher, and all those guys. But communities like, you know, Well Played, Team Liquid, Neil Gath, and, and all those, like, little sites like, you know, like Hip Hop Gamer. I, I look on those forums and see them talking about Evo, and, like, a few of those guys comes out, you know, the Mortal Kombat forums, all of that stuff, like... I, I think it's great that you guys are looking at competitive gaming and are really into it. Like obviously, you StarCraft guys, mm-hmm. you are, you know, ahead of us. Yeah, in a way, the pioneers. Yeah, but I just love that, like, all the communities are, like, really passionate about the game. So, shout out to those guys for supporting and paying attention. Like, this weekend is just unparalleled uh, epic history gaming weekend. You know, there's mm-hmm. MLG, GSL, and EVO this weekend. So, like, this is ridiculously huge. Which stream do I watch? You watch them all at the same time. Exactly. I'm going to have to get a better internet connection. Yeah. I can only handle three streams I know, at the right? same time. That's the worst part. I'm like, oh, I'm trying to watch MLG. Come on, Slasher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's awesome right now to, to just to see like everybody's enthusiasm. You know, there's some some spillover in StarCraft and the Street Fighter communities and all mm-hmm. that. And I just love to see like everybody excited and happy about all these games. It's a great it's a great time to be a gamer. Yeah, if you want to be a serious gamer. Yeah. Well, well thank you very much for your time. No problem. And yeah, good luck in your Marvel pools. Thank you so much, man. This is the Dawn of Deacon, and you're listening to Don't Be a Scrum Podcast. Stay hungry, stay salty, and kiss my ring for respect. And once again, I'd like to thank Ski Sonic for sitting down and doing the interview with me. Um, I know that, he's been, that he was extremely busy over the weekend with commentary and you know playing in his pools and whatnot. So thank you very much, Ski. On a final note, I am extremely glad to actually have this good piece of news. And in case you've been sleeping under a rock for the past couple of weeks, I am glad to say that the Dr. Sub-Zero show is back up and running. And you can actually catch that on his new YouTube site, which is youtube.com slash Zero. And definitely check that out if you haven't. Uh, we did have a previous mention of the Dr. Sub-Zero show in our Micros and Gutex podcast. So, yeah, if you like a bit of wacky humor, um, definitely check out that show. And that's just about going to wrap it up for this episode of Don't Be a Scrub podcast. Please give us feedback. We do read all the feedback threads, and we greatly appreciate all of your feedback. And as always, stay hungry, stay salty, and thank you for listening.